True story. When I became serious as a young adult about following Christ, I really felt God calling me to prepare for ministry. And so in my early 20s, with a wife and two children, I decided I'd better go to college to be prepared. I wasn't sure what ministry meant. I had my ideas at the time. But uh, I talked to my pastor, and he took me to Dallas, Texas, and showed me this little Baptist college that he liked and supported. So the pastor said so. I packed up the family. We moved from Kansas City to the Independent Baptist College, Dallas, Texas. And I had a lot of zeal and enthusiasm. Let's do this. Let's get the education. Let's serve the Lord. And so I started with a lot of gusto and a lot of zeal. Now, as I arrived at this school, I didn't know much about it other than my pastor's recommendation. And uh, the school was also very zealous for the Lord. And they were zealous for their particular brand of being Baptist, independent Baptist. They also wanted their young people, mostly men, in that community to be shining stars for Jesus. That's a good thing. And so they felt it was important that we look and act a certain way. And so as I got there, I realized there were some um, requirements, if you will, or regulations, we could say, or you might say rules. And they wanted you to sign up. And I was eager to do what's right, so I said, sure, no problem. One of the rules was don't drink alcohol. I said, not a problem. I'll sign up. I won't be drinking any alcohol here. So I didn't drink any alcohol in Dallas. That wasn't a problem. Uh, they said no cussing. You know, we have the right kind of speech. I was never much of a cusser. So uh, that wasn't much of a problem either. I could keep that rule. Now, this is back in the day, and um, there was a deal about men and their hair. You know where I'm going? You know, certain length of hair. Now, I never really had long, long hair. I was never a hippie. But as I was thinking about this, how many of you men, back in the day, whatever that day was, how many of you had long hair, over your ears, shoulder-length hair? I want you to stand up. Be a man now. David Scholler had long hair? No, no, he's shaking his head. Charles did. Look around here. Okay. Can you imagine these guys with long hair? Kind of hard. Kind of hard, but okay, thank you. Anyhow, that was another requirement. Keep your hair cut right. And by and by, that throughout my time there, occasionally they would say, Steve, you need a haircut. Okay, I went and got the haircut. There were some other uh, requirements. I've forgotten a lot of them. But one of them was no mixed bathing. No, is the sound not up well? No mixed bathing. You heard me right, bathing. Now, I, I will confess on a cold winter's day in Chicago, this was Dallas, Texas, it gets cold there too, but, you know, on a cold winter's day, it's kind of nice to get a really hot steaming bath and get in and soak. I don't know, does anybody like to do that? I probably take two or three baths a year. I'm a shower guy. Uh, more than you wanted to know, I understand, but uh, you're going to be even more uncomfortable before we're done. So, uh, so they said no mixed bathing. I thought that's really not a problem either because Joyce and I don't take baths together, so what's the big deal here? But do you know what mixed bathing means? It has nothing to do with the bathtub. Some of you have been through the South or in the South, and you're agreeing. Mixed bathing, as I understand it, is this. It means that uh, we were in Dallas. It gets hot there. It's as hot as, as Dallas. And... We were in subsidized apartments, so there was no swimming pool, but some of our college friends could afford apartments that had swimming pools, and so on a hot Dallas night, it's fun to go over and bathe and, you know, swim in the pool. I mean, you don't really bathe, but you, you know what I mean? Or there was a nice lake there not far from the campus, and you could go down to the shoreline and you could get in the water. Mixed bathing means that 
the guys could go to the pool and swim, and they could get out of the pool, and the girls could go to the pool and swim. Honest to God's story, that's what mixed bathing is. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? So the idea was they just didn't want guys and gals swimming together. I don't know what could happen, but... And being from California, the beach and all this, you know, that's really a stretch. I mean, I said, wow. Now, I have to confess, and I don't think I've ever confessed this. I think Joyce and I did not quite keep that rule. Late at night, you know, some of the college kids, uh, we'd get together and we'd swim. and Or mixed bathe, if you prefer. And... Uh, so, you know, we kind of broke the rules there. Now, this morning, I'd like to talk to you about whether or not you're a religious person or whether you're a Christian. Are you religious or are you Christian? The word religion simply means a set of beliefs or a set of behaviors. It may mean an institution, a religious institution. You know what religion means. The word Christian, if you go back to where it started in the book of Acts, the word Christian actually is just the word Christ. And it says in Antioch, a place where the gospel had gone forth, there was a church, much like this church, not the building, but there were followers of Jesus there, people who loved Jesus. And in that community, everybody knew, oh, she's a follower of Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus. He's a Christ follower. He's a disciple of not this Greek person or that Jewish person. He's a disciple of Christ. And so the Bible says it was at Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians or Christ followers. And this morning I'd like to talk to you, are you religious or are you Christian? In the true sense of the word, are you a Christ follower? Which is it? And I've got this little sheet of paper. You kind of need to have it to follow along. We're not going to put the scriptures on the screen. By the way, we're trying out some new stuff. So thanks to Larry and others who set this up. But the scriptures are on this page, or you can look in your Bible in the pew. It's on page 200. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. Now, for those of you who are very careful people, you'll see we've skipped some verses here. Come back next Sunday. It's Communion Sunday. We'll talk about the first part of chapter 1 where it deals with the cross. And uh, I hope you'll be here next Sunday as we lift up the first part of chapter 2. But I want to go to the second half of chapter 2 this morning. And this is the fascinating passage of Scripture. So let's, let's ask the question, are you religious or are you Christian? Now, religious people tend to follow rules. And if you like to fill in the blank, you can just fill that in. Religious people follow rules. Religion offers rules. Um, I don't want to put you to sleep today, so I've really been debating about how much to get into this. But as you read the book of Colossians, you recognize that um, it's like listening to half of a conversation. This little letter was written to people in Colossae, the church. And Paul was countering some problems there. There were teachers coming in, teaching one thing, teaching another. And it was upsetting the people. It was upsetting Paul. And he said, now let me straighten you out here. Let me give you some advice, some counsel here. So he writes the letter. The problem is we don't have the, the exact information on what the problem was coming into the church. What were these teachers saying precisely? We're not sure. But in that time and place, Gnosticism was a belief system that dominated the culture. So scholars have pretty much agreed that part of the influence is Gnosticism. And you got up this morning saying, I hope I learned about Gnosticism today, right? Come on, nod your head, help me out here. Yeah, I'm sure. James did. That's true, probably. But uh, anyhow, let me say real quickly, they believed 
that the spiritual world was where the holy stuff was, and the material world was all evil. Matter was evil. Now, if matter was evil, then the, the earth, the dirt, it's, it's just bad. What about your body? Good or bad, if you're Gnostic? It's bad. And so, in a sense, if you view your body as evil and bad, then one of two things can happen. Now, let me say, we've probably got some Gnostics sitting here today. But let me remind you, Christians do not believe the earth is bad. Your body's not bad. Who created the world? God. Did God create a bad creation? No. What's the psalmist say? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness, the, the fullness thereof and all who dwell therein. You and I are not bad. We're not evil. Now, I know some of you are getting upset here because you say, what about sin? I know sin's around. But stay with me. The, the world, creation, is good. It's of our Heavenly Father. It's of God. Now, I know some of you have a war with your bodies, but uh, your body's good. Materialism is not evil. That's a Gnostic idea, okay? Now, as Paul writes to these folks, and he's going to talk about I got ahead of myself. We need to come back to these verses. Remind me. But as Paul writes to these folks, he writes to them, encouraging them how they should live. Now, if you see your body as evil, you have one of two options. How many of you have ever owned a junk car? I'm not talking about a five-year-old car. I'm talking about a really clunker, okay? The, a car that you knew, if the motor quits, it goes to the junkyard, at the transmission, you're okay. Now, when you need a front tire, you know, on that car, it's bald, you don't go to Goodyear, do you? And say, give me $600 worth of rubber for this car. It's not worth $600. When you have a junk car, you go to the poor side of town and you go to the poor little tire shop and you say, give me a used tire for 10 bucks, right? You just aren't going to invest in that car. Now, if you view your body as evil, then you might take that li very liberal view and say, whatever I do with my body doesn't really matter because where is it going? It's just going in the dirt and it's done and finally I'll be spiritual and holy, but not in this body. And so if you view your body as evil, you might take a very liberal view and you can go get drunk tomorrow, you can smoke cigars and pipes and cigarettes all at the same time and just abuse your body because it's just junk anyhow, kind of like the junk car, right? That's one approach. The other approach is the exact opposite. If you view your body as evil, then you say, boy, I've got to keep this thing in line. You never know what Steve's body going to do. I mean, whoo! It's a dangerous body, so you need a lot of what? Rules. And regulations. Now come with me to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 21. And again, you'll need to look in the scripture or on your page in front of you. In Colossians 16, it says, uh, chapter 2, verse 16, the first paragraph of our section. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days, or new moons, ceremonies, or Sabbaths. Don't let anyone condemn you, Paul starts off, for not doing these things. And then down in verse 21, would you, let's read that together. There are three prohibitions there. Shall we? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Rules. Rules and regulations. Religion tends to offer us rules. And Paul is lifting that up here. Now, I don't, uh, one of the things we say in our new members class is that we're not going to bash other religions or other faiths, and I, I want to hold to that now, so I'm not going to name names, but you can find all kinds of 
uh, expressions of Christianity and beyond out there that will give you, you, you worship on this day, not that day. You eat this kind of food, you don't eat that kind of food. You have these kind of celebrations, you don't have those kind of celebrations. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that out there. And Paul says, don't let anyone condemn you about what you eat, the day you worship, the special celebrations, etc. Interesting. So religion tends to offer rules. What does Christ offer? Christ offers freedom. Christ offers freedom. You recall a few weeks ago, as we started out in this series, Believe Right, Do Right, we were talking about from chapter 1, and in chapter 1, verses 13 and following, um, I want to read this verse to you, chapter 1, verse 13. He, or God, God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom he, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Rules can never create forgiveness of sins in your life. They can't accomplish that. Rules cannot bring you freedom. That's Christ's role. And the scripture says in Colossians 1, Paul says, God has rescued us out of the dominion of darkness. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about dominion of darkness in my own life where I'm, I'm pulled off the path I should be on, the dominion of, of evil or power. How can I break that? Through rules or through Christ? It's Christ that breaks the dominion of darkness in our lives, and Paul lifts that up for us here. So I want to encourage you this morning that as you think about the question, are you religious or are you Christian? It's only through Christ that we receive forgiveness of sins and the freedom that comes with that. Now, another way to look at this, are you religious or are you Christian? Another way to look at it is a question that you're going to have to be honest with me about yourself here, but is a question of pride. Religion produces pride. Religion produces pride. Let's look at chapter 2, verses 18 and 23. Paul says, uh, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels... Phew. Saying that, uh, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And then the last verse in this section, 23. These rules seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial or haughty pride, and severe bodily discipline. But... They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Wow. I'm just reading the scriptures, folks. I didn't make this up. Wow. That's a step. Think with me about religion and pride. When In Jesus' own life, who gave him the most grief? Well, the people who kept the most rules, the religious leaders, particularly the Pharisees, they were so proud that they had kept the law and it made, them, it made it impossible for them to hear what Jesus was saying. They were filled with all their religion and rules and proud of it. Think with me of the story Jesus told when you went into a synagogue and there, were, there was a religious guy worshiping and he lifted up his head, Oh, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like... And remember the poor slob that came in and bowed down and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Remember that story? The prideful man went away unforgiven, the humble man went away forgiven. Uh, one other comment, or a couple other comments, actually. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he said, I've kept all the commandments. 
I've kept them all. But he still lacked one thing, didn't he, as he came to Christ? I've wondered, if he had kept all the commandments, why wasn't that enough? He was a perfect rule keeper. But it wasn't enough. And he came to Christ. Now, this morning, uh, are you religious? You're filled with rules. You're filled with pride. You do a lot of religious stuff. Or are you following Christ? What does Christ offer? Christ offers peace. Christ offers peace. I heard a story one time. Uh, as we think about pride and as we think about our hearts, there were two monks and they were going along a path and they came to a, a stream that was swollen. It was normally passable, but now because of the rains and the waters were high. And as they came upon the stream, there was a beautiful young woman, dr- wonderfully dressed up. Now, these monks had taken a vow never to touch a woman. Good rule for a monk. Nothing wrong with the rule. And so they came to the stream, and the older monk said to the beautiful young woman, he said, "Uh, Miss, are you uh, going to the other side? Is there something you need? Are you all right? And she said, I'm perfectly all right, but I do need to cross to the other side, and and I can't get across. I'll be swept downstream with all my dress and and, uh, the currents and so forth. And the older monk said, May I help you? And she said, That would be wonderful if I could just get to the other side. So he reached down, picked her up, carried her across the stream, put her down, and they went on her way. The young monk went with him. There was silence for miles. And finally, the young monk could contain himself no more, and he just burst forth and he said, Brother, what did you do? You touched a woman. Brother, what did you do? And he just burst forth with this act of the older monk. And the older monk let him calm down and wind down and finally said, My dear brother, I left the woman at the creek. Why haven't you? Religion produces pride. Christ offers us peace. I want to look at a couple other verses here. In chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, now he's just finished 18 about these, he says, don't let anyone condemn you. And in verse uh, verse 19 he says, and they are not connected to the head, Christ, the head of the body, For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Now, it's important to remember, as Paul writes, he lifts up this image, Christ is the head of the church. We are the body of the church. Now, if you cut the head off from the body or the body off from the head, there is no growth. There's death. Which is a great way of reminding us, if I'm cut off from Christ... No matter how many rules I've got, no matter how much religion I've got, I'm not going to be nourished, I'm going to die. Christ is the vine, we are the branches. Now in chapter 3, verse 15, Paul uh, lifts up another statement that has to do with this idea of Christ being our peace. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in which you were also called and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You and I may have to work at that, but we are to be so connected to Christ that His peace comes into our lives, and that's what rules in us, not evil desires, not actions we shouldn't be involved in, but Christ. He rules. And so you can look to rules to solve all your problems. I mean, you can try that. It's not sinful. Paul just says, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Christ is the one who has broken the power of darkness in our lives. Now, I, I hate to talk about this, but it's just Steve's kind of problem. Uh, seems to me in summertime in Pasadena on Colorado Boulevard, the uh, ladies wear less and less the hotter it gets. You never noticed that, did you? 
Say no. I never noticed, Steve. Uh, maybe it's young men are attractive to young women, too. I'm on guys. So I talk about girls. You know, I don't know how this works for you ladies. But uh, the point is where my eyes go, the problem of my eyes. Now, I could get something and wear it kind of like this. And maybe I need it a little like this so my eyes would just be very focused in, you know, and I can watch my eyes. Now, I try to work on watching my eyes, but what am I going to do? Oh, it's quiet. You're not helping me here. Well, you know, one thing I can do is I remember the Scriptures that I'm the body, Christ is the head. I'm connected to the head. Christ is to help me. So one thing I can do is I like this little prayer. I think it came from Russia. It's the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Anybody know that prayer? You could probably memorize it. Six of us know it. Um, Say it with me. Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's try it again. Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's try it again. Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. Anyhow, back to the girls or guys or whomever on Colorado Boulevard. You know, you see somebody that's really attractive. You want a second look, a third look. They're in your head all of a sudden. You can simply forget about your eyes. Lift up that prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. And just start praying that in your head. You're going to get your mind off of whatever's distracting it. You're going to get your mind on Christ. You're going to be connected to Christ. It's just a little prayer I've learned. It's helped me. It might help you. To, to regain the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. So, again, are you religious or are you Christian? There is a difference. Now, one last comment I want to make. Are you religious? Religions tend to, and this would not be all of them, but I think it's pretty true. Religions tend to have spiritual experiences. Religions tend to have spiritual experiences. Let's look to back to verse 18 and verse 23. Who would stand up and read verse 18? Somebody like to do that? Just read loudly verse, chapter 2, verse 18. It's on the notes here. Thank you, David. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from God. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind pucks him up with high emotions. He has lost connection with the head. Thank you. And I'll also reference to verse 23. We're not going to read that. The idea, Paul talks about uh, people have had visions and people worship angels. What on earth does that mean? Well, I'm not sure I know, but there are a couple of possibilities. One is that it is possible, and I think this happens today, it probably happened in Paul's day, where people who are Christians, believe in angels, but they, beget, they get so wrapped up in angel, angelology that they begin to actually worship the angels or they give power to those angels that they really shouldn't give. You know, they're all wrapped up in angels and ascribing power to angels that only Christ has. So that could be one, their worship of angels, veneration of angels, this big, they're, they're really into angels. And Paul said, that's not right. Or it could mean the worship of angels, angels worshiping in heaven. And if God might give you a vision, that you would see that, the angels worshiping in heaven. Either way, uh, let's talk about spiritual experiences. In the Scripture, as far as you know, is it wrong for someone to have a vision, a spiritual experience? Is that wrong? You're afraid to answer. Not a trick question. No, it's not wrong. Who are some people who had visions, great spiritual experiences in Scripture? Mary, 
Daniel, yeah. Jacob, remember the latter. Paul, he had his experiences. Isaiah, there are lots of spiritual experiences there in Scripture. So those spiritual experiences are not wrong. But I need to get something in your head here this morning to try and help you uh, focus on Christ, which is the point of this message. I brought a little drink along with me. Somebody gave me this at a reggae party I was at. And uh, my son's bike shop, don't worry. Um, they were handing out this energy drink. How many of you have tried, like, uh, what is the Red Bull or something like that? And yeah, a lot of us have. Now, if you're tired, it's the middle of the afternoon, you're kind of sleepy, it's hot and muggy. If you crack one of these and drink it, uh, a real energy drink, what's it going to do for you? Give you energy, right? Lots of energy. I've tried them. They kind of pick you up. They, some of them taste pretty foul, but there's lots of caffeine in here, lots of sugar, lots of stuff I can't pronounce. And it's here. If you drink it, it's going to pick you up. Now, how about you just forget about food, you just drink these all the time? Not going to work, is it? You really wouldn't substitute the energy drink for food. In fact, it says on here, don't drink more than three in one day. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to see somebody who's drunk three of them? Woo! Now, the point is that spiritual experiences are okay, but they're not the, they're not the big deal. That's not the end game. Now, I'm going to ask you another question. This is where it gets interesting. How many of you are married? Would you just raise your hand if you're married? Okay, significant number of us are married. Now, don't raise your hand anymore because it might embarrass me. But um, how many of you have had wonderful sexual experiences as a married person? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to wiggle your toes if you could say yes, okay? Just wiggle your toes. The question is, as a married person, I've had some great sexual experiences. You just, you can wiggle your toes or not. Now, I hope you have, okay? I hope you have. Say, so where is he going? He's lost. Another question, you can wiggle your toes to this one. How many of you think great sexual experience is what marriage is all about? The better the sex, then great marriage. That's the key to marriage. It's not, is it? In fact, there may be folks who are married, and because of certain circumstances, they don't have any sex at all. Does that mean they cannot have a great marriage? What do you think? Of course it doesn't. What's my point? My point is, in our religious faith, uh, wonderful spiritual experiences are wonderful. They're great. And they may encourage us from time to time, but that's not the stuff of our faith in Christ. That's a religious thing. It's not Christ. And this morning, the goal, I think, of the goal of Paul and the goal of this preacher is to invite you to Christ. If you want to keep rules, that's great, but don't get lost in your rules. You are to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. If you want to have some great experiences, I've got family members that used to run off to Toronto. Anybody here ever get the Toronto blessing? Somebody? No? Anyhow, it's a big deal. You know, you got holy laughter. That's okay. You can go to Florida and get something else. I mean, but in the end, that's, it's like your energy drink. You're going to get it. It's going to feel great, but you're going to crash and wonder what's wrong with, with my faith. There's nothing wrong with your faith. You just got to looking at your experience rather than at Christ. Or if you keep a lot of rules, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to make you proud if you kept them all. Or the opposite, you've tried to keep all the rules and you failed. And then how did you feel? Guilty. Guilty. Terrible. Failure. I'm going to give up on that Christian stuff. I just can't keep up. I can't keep the rules. Now That's the end game there. Go ahead and do your rules if you want. But don't let them take you away from Christ. Because in the end, and this is my last point, Christ offers real life. 
the, the spiritual life you want is only in Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body. He nourishes the body. And we grow in direct proportion to our relationship to one thing. Not the Bible, not the rules, not the Baptist, Christ. Is it plain enough? It's about a relationship with Christ. So this morning, I want to give an invitation. Um, I like spiritual experiences. Uh, I think they're great. So I'm not knocking that. In fact, I think my most recent one was at the biennial of the American Baptist Churches. Joyce and I were there on a Friday night. We, they kicked it off in this humongous arena at the convention center in D.C. And there were some cooperative Baptists there, and the American Baptists were there, and some national progressive Baptists were there. And they had a big, fabulous, fancy ceremony, a lot of suits around. And at the end... Brad Berglund led us in uh, communion, and we went forward to these stations. We took communion. We sat back down while the music played, and we sang. It was wonderful. And I sat down at the end of that two-hour service, and we were coming to a close, and Brad and the band were up there. The place was pretty dark. And he said, now to conclude our time together, I'd like to invite Kate Campbell onto the stage. She's from Nashville, Tennessee. Now, this has been a pretty formal affair. And so the band began to leave, and the spotlight came on this woman. I'd never seen her before. I'd say she was middle-aged, long hair, looked like a hippie. She came onto the stage with a single guitar and a long-sleeved blue chambray shirt and blue jeans to this event. And I smiled inside, and I said, this is going to be interesting. And she began to sing and play a song. And as she sang and played, the tears just began to stream down my face. It was a powerful moment for me, helping me to center again in Jesus. And this morning as we worship, I'm not inviting you to a religion. I'm not inviting you to be a Baptist. I'm not inviting you to be an American Baptist. I'm inviting you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that relationship? Are you religious? Or are you a Christ follower? Now, I couldn't get Kate Campbell here from Nashville... But I did the next best thing. Why don't you listen, and the words are on your outline and the screen.